Wait a minute. This is the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestidenti, and each week we'll be going on a journey that will inspire you, motivate you, and help you be the best sales professional you can be. Our focus will be on mindset, tactics, and the strategies that will enable you to create more pipeline and win more deals. How do you stand out in the sea of sameness? This is one of the biggest challenges most of us working in sales experience every day, especially in a world where consumers and buyers have so many options to choose from. And this is what this week's episode is all about. It's all about how do you prospect? How do you do things a little bit differently that will allow you to stand out from the crowd? Because nobody wants to be stuck in what is the sea of sameness? And I think that's one of the challenges that we as sales professionals will experience and will fall into that sea of sameness when we are simply just sending an email, making a phone call, sending a standard LinkedIn connection request. There isn't much to differentiate that from what everybody else is doing. And the reality is for most sellers, many of us are now using very similar tactics Like there's not much new stuff happening in the world of selling. When you really think about it, right, there is not many new tactics that people are using that is going to go, wow, this is going to separate me from what my competition is doing. But in saying that, I want you to think about this episode's about thinking a little bit differently. It's about thinking outside the square. And even our guest this week, the incredible Dale Dupree, he's awesome. He's the sale, the founder of the Sales Rebellion. And the whole premise for the Sales Rebellion, the whole message that Dale brings to the table is about upping it. It's about upping your game and doing things a little bit different. Challenge the status quo. All right, we've heard this before. You've got to challenge the status quo. You've got to do things differently. But Dale does talk about the fact that you, A, have to bring authenticity to the table. And I think, you know, you might be going, well, Luigi, this is not different. Like bringing authenticity to the table is not something different. But the challenge when you're using sequencing tools, when you're using automation, you can sometimes come across disingenuous. You can sometimes, your real heart and soul doesn't come to the table. And what Dale is going to talk about, he's going to talk about a tactic that he's employed that, again, it's been used in the past, but what he's done, he's revitalized this particular tactic to make it stand out, to help you become a little bit different and add something unique to your process. This podcast is brought to you by the Create Pipeline program from Sales IQ Global. This program will equip you with the skills, tools, and confidence to run an outbound strategy so you can generate more qualified opportunities and close more deals. Hear what Alice from DocuSign has been able to achieve since joining the program and our incredible community. So my name's Ellis and um, I work at DocuSign as an EBR. And the, the reason I started Sales IQ was because I really needed that, that guidance and that training to make sure that the outreach that I was doing was hitting the nail on the head. So I was lucky enough to, to start the program early on in, in this role. And um, since then, I've been pretty successful. And last quarter, I finished on 185%. So have uh, have seen some huge results by adopting the principles. Our next cohort is starting soon. So to learn more, go to www.salesiqglobal.com. Or if you have a team of sellers, talk to us about our in-house offering. Control your pipeline, control your destiny with Sales IQ.
At the end of the day, the buying experience matters more than anything else. That buying experience that your buyers are going through really matters. And the win-loss reports that we see, it actually comes through. Buyers say they choose to go with a particular company because of the experience the seller has created. And that experience matters. And that's what this episode's all about. It's all about creating a unique buying experience. It's about creating a prospecting process that is different, that'll allow you to stand out and be the best you can be in a sea of sameness. Welcome to the show, Dale. Thanks for having me on, Luigi. I appreciate being here, man. It's a long time coming. I know, it's a long time coming. It's amazing. And we we're talking about this in the green room, right? It's amazing how the world of social allows us to build a relationship over an extended period of time when you don't even get to meet someone. And then you finally meet someone and it's like you've known them for your whole life. So it's just, it's amazing how the world is changing and digital is allowing us to build relationships halfway across the world. Amen, dude. I, I really, I've really enjoyed that part of our conversation so far because I, I love relationships. I think that it's the number one uh, secret to sales. The only secret to sales is how good are you at building relationships with people? Because I think another side of the concept of that is that, think about it, we've all met each other through social and through things like LinkedIn, mediums like LinkedIn and social media, but we don't really know anything past that. Yet it is so authentic in the way that your content shows up that when I read it, I know you're the real deal. And so for me, it's easy to trust that because again, it, you can smell that stuff from a mile away and it goes the same for a sales rep walking in the front door, making a phone call or sending an email. It's very easy to kind of pick up on what stinks and what doesn't. So, you know, at, at the same time, I think it, it really speaks, even though I, I love the concept of technology and how we're using it, I think what it really speaks to is just the, the, the genuine effectiveness of really being able to truly build a relationship with somebody. And you know what? I think one of the things that I've learned as a result of this pandemic right the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> is that i say it's a sarcasm right because it just fucking never ends but i think one of the things that i've learned is a lot of people are looking at selling now and they're saying so you know sales technology it's changing the way people buy but i actually think it's amplified the importance of the relationship between the buyer and the seller and why more than ever before we need to be focusing on building that level of trust with our audience to help them choose us. And I think, again, it's now such an important part of the process that, you know, if, if you're not focusing on building that trust and building that level of rapport and relationship, you're not building sustainable long-term networks that will yield results. Over, over a long period of time. Totally agree. There's a company called Carbon, and I think most people know it. It's out there basically allowing a consumer to go on the internet and buy a car. <laughs> here's, the, here's the crazy thought though, you know, just like a year or two years ago, right before the pandemic, right? I was driving by dealerships that were building massive headquarters, you know, in addition to what they already have as a footprint. Well, how, you know, like the why in God's name of all things, car sales. Is that not being taken down by a company like Carvana? And you know what's even crazier is now Carvana has physical locations for you to come and see the cars. Because once again, I think the things, the elements that that go along with this are the experience that's provided to people and a hands-on experience is bar none better than anything else in existence. So even like think about augmented reality, just to go on a small tangent, if I put on some goggles and I feel like I'm there and I'm believing yeah. that I'm there and I'm being made to believe that I'm there and, and influenced that way, yeah. then then to me, like there's my safety. 
And, and, and once again, like that's, it's sure it's replacing the human connection, but that's what I'm seeking. I'm seeking the human connection. That's the underlying factor, right? So, so at the same time too, the second piece of that puzzle is, is that people still crave the relationship and they crave the recommendation. They crave the communication. They crave, you know, even an argument with a crappy sales, you know, car salesperson, shout out to car salespeople. They get a lot of heat, right? But, (laughs) but, but that's, that's the point, right? I think, and you make it, you articulate it very well and I'm in full agreement with you. Yeah, and and look, we're going into what is going to be an awesome episode, right? On, on really discussing how can you create, how can you differentiate in what is essentially there's a lot of same sameness going around. Our, our mutual friend Larry Levine talks about this a lot, right? How do you, how do you be different in the sea of sameness? But before we dive into this great topic, love to hear tell our listeners a bit about you, how you started in the world of selling, and what inspired you to start the rebellion the cause to change the way sellers position themselves in the marketplace. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to do that. So deal to pre, as you introduced me as earlier, my story really starts back in 1984 when my father founded his copier firm. I was born a year later in 1985 with toner running through my veins. And there's two reasons why I say that. Number one is that the copier industry, it is, it's kind of like the redheaded stepchild right? It, it's looked at as like this, what is that? And why would I sell there? It's the sleeper in 2022, especially, right? It's the sleeper. It is It is an industry where salespeople can not only hone their skills on a level that's almost unrecognizable to any other industry. And that's just me being biased to an extent, but also seeing that in my own walk and other people's walks as well too. But secondarily to that, Dude, it's extraordinarily easy. You know, I hear people talking about, oh, I got the SaaS sales and I'm making six figures, try seven figures in the copier industry, right? Like it is a an industry that allows for a massive amount of financial growth just as much as personal development. And I and I remember being 26 years old and you know, making massive checks, 30 to 50,000 a month, and and sitting back and thinking to myself, why don't more people sell copiers? Well, <laughs> I think I think at the end of the day, it's because it's extraordinarily hard, which yeah. is the second piece of why. I mentioned that because it's 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 very important to understand that my father intentionally created what he did knowing that he was that he was going to have kids he didn't know he was going to have four and my little sister even was like a miracle because my mom was supposed to be able to have any more kids right so but he didn't know that he was going to have four but but here he, he raised all four of us around the machines around the culture around the people around the community to help develop us into an industry that was difficult yep. to get into, even at the time back then, because my father had this sense of understanding that it's important to leave a legacy. And the generational legacy that you leave inside of your family, the footprint of that is, it, it can be massive to the success of, of your kids. And everybody, I don't know one parent that doesn't want their kid to succeed. You know, maybe there's one out there somewhere and God bless them. And it sucks that they feel the way that they do. But I, I, I look at that and I think about my story and I think, I was intentionally brought into this world, intentionally put into a place where my father could right, you know, the wrongs of, of the things that he messed up and not necessarily like have me do those things for him, but just give me the opportunity through choice and through the things that he lined up in his own success to be able to provide that for me. So you fast forward to about the time I'm 17. Now, one really interesting fact here is that I was homeschooled. Uh, so my mom actually homeschooled all four of us. So we got classic education with a lot of choice, right? Yeah. Not so much like, hey, this is the way that everything works, but like everything, every quiz, the question piece of that. I learned this at a young age that that it was up to me. What was the well, the answer is up to me. It's not so much like what's the right answer. It's like, what do yeah. you think the answer is? And so we had a really we had a classical education that was very like it was daunting. I remember being in middle school taking 
like freshman college level courses to get myself prepared, you know, for the world ahead of me. Yeah. And, and it was, in, it was intense. So, so imagine being 17 at this, in this, in this household and having a love for creativity, a love for music, all things that my parents allowed for me to do. And then being handed a record label offer and told, Hey, you can come and play music for a living, or you can take one of these scholarships that you have through academics or sports, which there was a couple dozen of those, and go and do the normal thing. Well, I rebelled and turned to my parents and was like, hey, thanks for the hard work with homeschool and all the other good stuff, but I'm going to take everything I learned and go directly into the working world, and I'm going to be a rock star. Well, 60 days after my first tour, I was about 30 pounds lighter and like broke my elbow. <laughs> <laughs> like all kinds of crap. I, I just got banged up on this tour, right? But I got home and I had never, I was never happier right after that tour. And I recognized, you know, not just like that I was a creative person, I love music, but that the industry was going to shape me into something. Fast forward about five years, I got out of that industry because of the promiscuity that was available to me on tap. And I had a, a girl that I wanted to call my wife. Also the drugs, the violence, there's a lot of things yeah. inside of industries that make it difficult to walk away just as much as they make it difficult to be in it. And I yeah. think that's a really good point to make inside of my story because sales is full of that as well, too. And so it's just life in general, right? So I started in copiers, obviously, at my dad's firm. I spent four years sucking. And and after those, you know, four years of sucking, and I say four years, but two years where I was, you know, kind of under quota. And, and the next two years where I was over it, but I just wasn't at the point where I wanted to be. But by year four, I had, at the end of it, I broke every record in the book that was established at my father's firm over the 24 years that he had been in business. And boom, my rebellion was born. I spent the next eight years in the industry or uh, nine years in the industry in total before getting out entirely and saying, hey, it's time to change the way that people look at the landscape of sales. And I feel like I have the experiences, I have the ideas, and I have the madness <laughs> deep yeah. inside of me to be able to make the decision to do what I did. Mate, what a what a description of a life and you've and you've actually shared, which I really love. And mate, we could probably pull out like three episodes in that story, right? Because I think there's a lot and 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 now it's kind of connecting the dots for me because the fact that you you shared, you know, growing up in an environment where it encouraged choice and allowed you to, to find that creativity. I can see why you've been able to achieve certain success in your sales career, because when we look at some of those critical skills that high performers exhibit, it's their ability to be creative, right? And their ability to find choice, like choice is an amazing opportunity in front of us. And you know, that we, we're, we're given choices every single day. We're given options that we make a choice to choose where we spend our time. And sometimes it doesn't deliver us a result. And so I really appreciate you sharing, you know, your story, but I, I'd love to understand, you mentioned that you had two years of not meeting quota and then you had two years of exceeding quota and you weren't where you want it to be, but what was different? So the years where you weren't versus the years that you actually did, you know, what, what was different about those two circumstances? Yeah. Really good question. I think actually it's the first time someone's ever like after hearing my story asked me that question. And I feel like I'm always dying to tell the answer to this. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna slow my pace here for just a second. And I'm gonna say that in the first year in particular, I leaned on a lot of other people's experiences and knowledge, which I don't think is a bad thing. Yeah. But I tried to use and try and I started to supplement, right? Like instead of instead of saying, Oh, okay, this is this is X, this is Y, this is Z in regards to sales and regards. So whether that's prospecting, whether that's 
middle of the funnel, whether that's my closing techniques, instead of looking at it that way, I, I looked at it, oh, this is how you're supposed to do it, right? Like to the T. Yeah. And 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 remember, you gotta you gotta remember that I was homeschooled, right? And I was given all this choice. But then when I got out of that and I'm in sales, like I'm in the midst of failure. Right. I'm in the midst of like, oh, shoot, what am I supposed to do here? Like, it's been 60 days and I've, I've sold one thing for $8,000. This isn't good. And so in my head, it was like do or die. So when yeah. I went and started learning from other people, the whole purpose of that was to so that I could replicate their success. And I had to learn the hard way in that first year that that was like the literal toxicity that was holding me back. And, you know, so I, I'm not going to name names, but I went out and I, I bought books. You know, we talked about that a little bit a second ago. I bought books. I read what these people's ideas were. And here's the thing, dude, is that I like skimmed the pages. You know, I just was like, oh, this looks good. And like moved to the next thing. And, and sure, like I digested everything that was being said. But for the most part, I rolled my eyes at half the things that were in there. Yet I still was like bought into the identity of what these books were 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 telling me I needed to to do in order to be successful. Well, in year two, I was I was just kind of like, none of this stuff is working to the at least to the the level that I would want it to because I did sell some stuff in that first year and I saw some of those quote unquote techniques work, but they didn't feel authentic. They didn't feel natural. So year two, I kind of played around with some different concepts. And, and I actually, I learned Sandler sales training in year yeah. two. I actually, one of my, my mentors, who was my original coach, Ed Jordan, God bless that man. He, the thing with is, is that I was, I was learning their, their style and he's sitting here, you know, listening to some of my, my challenges. And he would say, Hey bro, you know, when we talk about something like a pattern interruption, don't do it by the book. You're not a by the book guy. So you can take the concept and authentically create something much differently. And so I like, I'm totally throwing Ed under the bus here. Like he's a Sandler fanatic, right? But like he taught me in a way that I didn't feel like I was being sucked into this yeah. cult of sales. Instead I was being like given freedom. And it was an, an awakening for me. And toward the end of that second year was when I started it. Year three, I hit quota. I was over quota. I did stuff that I didn't even know I could do. I developed the persona of the copier warrior as a matter of fact, it had like marketing pieces like the one you're looking at of me yeah. slaying copy machines with lightsabers. And and that just opened a whole new can of worms. And by year four, yeah. again, I, I had a good year, but I was still kind of dependent and reliant on this box, yeah. you know, that I had put sales in. Well, bro, I'll tell you, when I took a sledgehammer to that thing and just completely annihilated it and stopped saying, oh, well, this is what you're supposed to do in this part of the sales cycle and started saying, well, this is what this is what I've been taught, but is it the raw, authentic, natural thing for me to do with this person right now in this moment? And when I started questioning those things and saying, you know, when somebody was saying, eh, well, your your price is a little high, instead of you know the traditional, you know, Brian Tracy moves or Sandler moves, right? Like instead of the traditional, you know, concepts about like how to reverse and yeah. how to, I would, I would literally say to somebody, you know, what's I got to do with me? Like, I don't understand. Like, why is that a problem? Can you explain that to me a little bit, a little bit deeper? Like I hear what you're saying on the surface, but I'm really confused. Can you yeah. please, you know, give me some more to that where, you know, like if you were sitting in that room, you'd be like, bro, a, like it sounds arrogant when you're talking yeah. about it here live and B, like, that's not how you talk to a customer. No, it's not how you talk to a customer, but it freaking is how you talk to a human. Yeah. It's exactly how you talk to another person. And so when I tapped into that, bro, the whole game changed for me. I wasn't afraid 
to to be authentic. I wasn't afraid to not challenge the thought, but influence the way people were looking at certain things that I was providing for them and that the industry traditionally had sold. And because of that, I became this unnatural occurrence <laughs> inside of my industry because no one had never experienced anything like it. Yeah. And so, and so just, you know, genuinely I became so different that they were all telling their friends and they were telling their friends. And eventually I had a whole year where I wrote well over a million dollars in revenue. I didn't make one freaking cold call, dude. Mm. It was literally just a year of picking the phone up and I'm in copier sales. Like yeah. any copier sales person listening is like, how'd you get, how, you got inbound leads? what you didn't pay for them what are you talking about like it because it's it's a real struggle inside yeah. of that industry so so i mean that would be my reflection on you know what happened in those four years that really like took me to the fifth year and the sixth year and, and beyond in regards to like that elevated success Mate, again there's i think we're gonna have to do another episode here dale man because we're just touching on so many different things but i love it i love it because i think what i've heard is you followed the box or you followed, you know, the, the process, the script, the framework, but you didn't truly see success until you broke the shackles of the framework, took what you needed to, but made it your own and brought your authentic self to the process. And I think the reason why this resonates with me so much, because I'm like you, man, I think the, the, the one book that I always go back to, man, it's Ogmandino's. I mean, you can't really see it, but yes. the greatest sales. Greatest sales yeah. It takes fucking yeah. twenty minutes. Like not maybe twenty minutes. It it shouldn't it shouldn't take you more than an hour to read. <laughs> and I'm like yeah. you, man. Like most sellers, I got books. I skim them. If I can't see what I want, like I just put them away. Right. I I hate the ones that are just too sort of. Because I'm a salesperson, I lack focus. And I, you know, so this sort of stuff is is fantastic. But I think why that story resonates with me is because, and I say this to sales professionals that I coach all the time, it's the frameworks are there as a framework but they're there for you to build on them and make them your own. And if you don't make them your own, you're not bringing you to the table. And the thing is, and I've learned this the harsh way, man, and I'll talk about why, how I learned it the harsh way, but people buy you and before they buy your product or service. Uh -huh. And I say I, I learned this the harsh way because I just lost a six-figure deal in the last week. It hurts, Dale. And I, I've done like multi-million dollar deals, but this one hurt because I put a lot of energy and effort into it. And it came down the buying committee. The CEO felt more connected to the other person at the other company. His team liked me. They liked our value proposition. They liked our proposal more, but he connected with the other person on a personal level. And I think that says a lot about the world because, and, and this is what, it says a lot about you, man. What you're saying is, all these frameworks mean nothing if I can't bring myself and bring it to life, right? Because ultimately you're creating that experience for people. You're helping them choose you through the process. So look, I've just had a couple of aha moments. I'm thinking to myself, look, this is great because how can we, how can we differentiate in the CF sameness is be us, be, be who we are, be authentic. It's going to resonate with a, with a portion of the audience and some people it won't and that's okay. Right. Yeah. I think, I think the, the word for us is indistinguishable, yeah. right? Are you like, it's like you look at sales and it's indistinguishable, like one person, one tactic, one method from the other, mm. you know, because you might call one thing, this, and one thing that I don't want to say any acronyms or names on this show. Cause I have mad respect for all the people out there that are doing their thing, hustling and, and doing what, again, they believe is helping the sales community. 
But I mean, I'm leading a rebellion for a reason, right? And I, I admitted something earlier that I don't often do. I mean, maybe ever like twice ever, which is that I do, I freaking stopped reading books as quickly as I possibly could because I realized they were like toxic for me to an extent. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't helping me. It was really causing issue with me. And so like, I started to look at things from my own lens, right? So mm -hmm. people talk about, you know, pain. Well, I feel that pain is, you know, how is that, how does anybody desire to go to that? Matter of fact, when people psychologically and, and actually neuroscience and psychology both tell us this as fact, is that people would would rather not be complainers. And, and and yet when you're in this moment with, you know, a big shot CEO or a CFO or someone in particular that like, it can feel intimidating being with those people that says this effing sucks and I want it fixed. And, and what are you going to do to fix it? You know, that the incumbent couldn't already do if I just called them in here to get it, get it taken care of. You know, those are, those are moments again, like where again, like neuropsych tells us specifically what that person, the, the study of the brain, like what that person has triggered emotionally and why intelligently they're, they're speaking it the way that they are, which is technically there's no intelligence yeah. in it. It's all emotion. And so that means that that means it sells to me. Like that means that sales has to become an art and I can't look at like, Oh, well, how do I, carterize this wound or stitch it up or put a bandage on it like that doesn't fix it that leaves a scar that leaves further issue or a remembrance of the problem in the first place so that when it comes back up again it's like we already did this right. well you're telling me i got another one so for me i looked at those types of things at a young age and said how do i how do i look at pain as more of an illness for example because i want to create a lifestyle choice for somebody over the next five years of a copier contract that will change like everything that they do from a workflow perspective that will change the outcome entirely and that sure change sucks and it's hard for people to get behind but if I put my back into this and I put a little extra effort and don't just say, here's how you do it, but I give them the guideline, I hold them accountable to the process. This is a customer for life now. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was literally what happened to me, Luigi, is I like, think about this. I'm th almost three years into running a sales rebellion. I still get emails. I still get phone calls. I still get text messages. I still get DMs from my old clients people that I'd met at some point in that industry saying, yo, I see you're doing sales training and everything, but like, could you, could you, could you sell me a copy machine? <laughs> like for real, you know, because, because of what we created and that's not me yeah. being braggadocious or arrogant by any means. It's, it's me saying, trust yourself, everybody listening, like trust what you believe is the right thing for your sales career. Because when I did it, I exploded in regards to what it was my success looked like. Yeah. But the thing is people are calling you, because they absolutely see you as someone of value. They absolutely have a connected, they're trusted, they tr you know, with the term trusted advisor, but they actually go, you know what? I'm going to call this guy because he's delivered on me before. I trust him and I trust him to help me in the future. And I think that's a testament to the, to the mindset that you take out. And I think we as a sales community, even though we've gone, We've done a lot of work to improve the practices, the way in which we manage our sales process and all that sort of stuff. But I think the world of automation is actually putting us back a little bit because it's creating a disconnect between the buyer and the seller. The, the, the seller, the buyer knows they're in a frigging sequence, man, right? They know it. And it's easy to actually identify it because it's got a fucking unsubscribe on the bottom, right? So you can make it look as plain text as you want, but buyers aren't stupid. And I think to some extent, because there's poor messaging and there's 
they haven't done the research on the persona like you just talked about. They haven't done any segmentation with their clients like the from a, a targeting perspective. They're just getting poor messaging in their inbox every day and we're creating a, a, a trust gap. It's becoming worse and worse. So I think what you talk about now, it's going to be the ones that actually take the time to level up their mindset and really think about why they exist and how they can help their target audience achieve a better outcome because they're not buying the pain. And I'm, I'm a completely aligned with you. I don't ask pain-based questions. I want to know where do you want to go? Where are you at now? Let's figure out how we can work together to get there. Let's collaborate and work together, man. Like, and if I can't help you, that's okay. But like, at least let's try to work out a, a strategy. And so I actually, you know, again, I, I, I'm resonating, I'm connecting with you. And this is one of the reasons why I've been following your journey for a couple of years now. But one of the things that I really, really wanted to talk about today, because this excites me, man, because again, it's completely different, is your, your letter, your prospecting letter. Now, can you tell our listeners, for those that don't know it, because some of them will know it because they follow you, but can you tell our listeners, what is, what is the letter and how does it, what, what do you do to get people so excited about this letter? It's, to us, it's the most humanized, humanizing way to create a sequence like you were just talking about, yeah. like how do we how do we create a sequence that doesn't have an unsubscribe that feels more like an ABM campaign because it is so direct to the person on the other side, but also how do we scale it, right? That's a huge yeah. piece of the puzzle too. How do we scale it? So we we created this was a long time ago when I first created this, 2010, um, and I actually got the idea from there was an article on the internet was going around about the real estate market and this yeah. guy back in 2004 was in Fort Lauderdale. So Miami area, for those of you listening that are like, where's that in the state of Florida? <laughs> and, and he was doing a ton of direct mail. He was getting like less than a 1% return rate though on all this direct mail he was putting out. And so basically the market changed back in 2002, right? It, it got to this point where like that was spam. So imagine yeah. like your email inbox right now, it was like your mail was, was you know, you'd pull the thing, the, open up the, the mail and it was 16 different things about Sunday deals at car dealerships. And so your stuff was typically being thrown away. So this guy, what this guy did is he, he essentially took, he would retarget as we would look at it today in our, in our own terms, is he would take all the people that he sent all these letters to and he would say in his head, they didn't see these. And so what he would do is he would actually put on the, the front of the envelope, don't throw me away again in big red print. And so you would get this thing in the mail and it's like, don't throw me away again. And you'd open it up and then it was his pitch. There wasn't really much change there. So he didn't nuance essentially the messaging too much, right? But I read that his return rate went, rate went from less than 1% to 13%. And think about this, right? When you're, when you're mailing half a million letters and that's the freaking change, right? And you're in real estate, like the dude exploded. And he, yeah. he he's a multimillionaire at this stage in the game. I don't know what he's doing now, right? But I was inspired by that. And I thought, what is that? What does that work? And so I started to study psychology a lot more yep. directly. My wife actually has a degree in psychology. She's got a master's. She's she's got uh, she's got a lot of time in the neuropsych field as well too. And so and she also has a criminal a criminal investigation like minor. It's like serial killers. I'm totally botching the minor itself for the certificate, but she wanted to basically go to the FBI and work. And so she had to learn in psychology. She had to learn like the mind of a killer, essentially. So like I learned all these things like very like 
1% of the world, less than 1% of the world of people like John Wayne Gacy. Like what's going on in his head? What's making him click? What's yeah. making him click? Why do humans do that? How do you even get to that point in your life, right? And, and I realized very quickly and very slowly that culture influences, that mm. pop culture influences, that the community you're in influences. Mm. A lot of what the brain decides is truth, is fact, is is real, right? So I don't want to get into politics, but we can like think of COVID, for example. You can go to some places where like COVID is a thing and it exists yeah. and people take precautions. <laughs> you can go to other places and you're like, wait, hold on a second. Like what's going on here? This is, yeah. it's almost as if nothing is happening. At the, and this is, you know, even during the pandemic in some cases, right? So, so again, I started to really recognize that, well, that's why this works because here you are in your little community, you're doing your thing and everything yeah. is just the same every day. And one day this thing comes in the mail and it's so different that it takes you to that next level. So I created a four letter campaign. It's a sequence that I created because I also knew that like, there's, I, I always have told myself, Dale, never believe in a silver bullet, no matter what you do. Yep. Even if you think that something that you're doing is a silver bullet, never take, never tell it that way, never believe in it that way because you'll become dependent so heavily on that thing. Yep you'll lose sight of what you're actually doing. So we started with a crumpled letter and, and the crumpled letter, I mean, it literally is what it is. Like it's a crumpled up envelope and inside of it is a crumpled up piece of paper. And, and it says on the outside of it, crumpled letter inside, whatever the case may be. This is a young man named Jerome Gilbert out in Chico, California that uses our letter. I don't think anybody can see your podcast, but but you can see he's got a QR code on his yeah. letter. He's got you know a picture of himself to create that relationship with people. And the way that the letter starts is it says, first things first, you're probably wondering why this letter is crumpled up. Well, that's because 90% of the sales and marketing that you receive is typically trash. So I made it easier for you to throw this letter away. <laughs> and, and right then and there, if someone goes, I can identify with this. This yeah. is familiar to me. I you get it. You're not you're not a scummy salesperson, right? And that, and and that's the thing, right? Is that everybody hates salespeople. No one wants to admit it, but yeah. everybody hates them. Even salespeople that are sitting at home, six thirty at night, watching Netflix, cell phone rings, something about a number that you don't under hello, and it's like, hey, you've won a cruise, and you and you cuss them out, you hang up, and here you are, the same person doing the same thing in a different industry, and somehow you are mightier or holier than thou, yeah. and have the ability to be able to just apparently judge other people those moments like we all do it it's natural yep. human behavior and because of the box that we put sales in so it's our rebellion isn't just about getting away from the concepts of the status quo and the mediocre it's about redefining the way that the entire world looks at sales the yeah. people that are that are non-believers that are like nah I'm not a salesperson, but they are because yeah. they're a marketer or they're an inside sales rep or they're a customer experience person. Everybody is freaking in sales, bro, right? Yeah. So so the identity of this letter goes beyond the concept of let's book more appointments. It goes to a place of allowing other people to buy into you as a salesperson. Yeah. So, and again, there's a sequence to it, right? So we send we send a crumple, we'll send some, one with a coffee stain on it. One of them will be all burnt up. There'll be one with stamps all over it, like it's traveled around the world. And we've probably got another dozen variations. I want to say probably a little bit more than that, like paper airplanes, origami, like a ton of different concepts yeah. around how to send a letter that connects again with people and that creates a very unique experience. Mm. So for example, imagine opening the coffee and the freaking thing smells like coffee beans. And yeah. and it and it's a it's a living thing yeah. now. It's a 
part of an ecosystem that you're creating in regards to the relationship and experience with the buyer. Yeah. I mean, I, again, uh, I love that because you're thinking differently, right? Like you're not just going, I'm going to do the same old thing everybody else is doing, put you in a cadence, sending out emails, giving a phone call, doing this. You're actually trying to create a different experience for the buyer. And I, I resonate with that because I've, I've firsthand seen the result of me sending, for example, like a book, not even a book that I authored, just on a topic that I know that's important to the person, handwritten note. I've seen the impact of that. And I think for any, any of our listeners listening today, when they're thinking, well, how do I create a level of differentiation? It's just be a little bit unique. Try to find something that's a little bit different and bring your authentic self to the process when executing it. And if you want to try the, you know, the letter format, you know, we'll, we'll put where you can connect with Dale in the show notes because he shares, he shares his content every single day on LinkedIn. Like that's one of the things that I love about you, man, is you're consistent. You show up every day. And you actually put real stories, regardless of how people view it, you put it out there, man. You put it out there for people to connect to. And, and that's that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of daily, you're in my feed every single day, man. Um, not just because the algorithm saying I should look at your content, but because it actually means something to me, man. So I, I love the fact that you've shared that with us. And again, I could keep talking to you for hours, but just just before we wrap up, Outside of LinkedIn, and we'll put your URL, where else can our listeners find and connect with you? Yeah, no doubt. I appreciate that, dude. You can just Google Dale Dupree, and you can find a ton of content. I basically own that name. And <laughs> I don't know, there's like 12 pages of guest podcasts. I've been on over 250 total guest podcasts in the last couple of years. It was a mission of mine to do. without. And by the way, without ever asking to be on one of them, which was pretty dope, right? I think... I think that was probably the coolest thing that I did in that whole process. But the purpose of it was like to go out and create endless amounts of content for people that, you know, like your listeners that are looking to level up, even if it's just half of a percent yeah. that I've given somebody today, that's my mission. My mission is to serve not just salespeople, but people, yeah. right? Humans that want to better themselves, that, that believe that there's something greater inside of what it is that they are called to be on their and their walk on this earth. It's a super important piece of the puzzle for me inside of all of this. That's why any anywhere you go to find my content, whether it's salesrebellion.com or Instagram and search sales rebellion, Twitter, sales rebellion, you know, anywhere yeah. you can find at sales rebellion, right? The, the, the purpose of why we're out there, why we're creating content on a daily basis is because we care. <laughs> we're, we are sure we're a business just like anybody else. So we want to build, you know, we want to build our kingdom just the same as well too but bro we care like we actually care and and we want people to know that not just through the way that we speak but how we deliver and what our actions you know speak yeah. for us right because they're much louder than words so so really honestly bro any social platform you can even come and laugh on tiktok at some of my stupidity <laughs> and and honestly man we like our organization one thing i would just want to say like people that are listening the sales rebellion is not Dale Dupree. The sales rebellion is founded on the principles of the copier warrior and the things that I did from the perspective of how I rebelled in my sales career. Yeah. But the sales, the sales rebellion are all the people listening. The sales rebellion are the individual coaches, Adam Snyder, Jack Wilson. They're, they're people like Joy Hewitt Carvajal. They're, they're our admin team, Shay Madison Holcomb. They're our video production team, Rafe Barreto. It's much bigger, right? Jeremiah Griffin, shout out to my head of sales, one of the number one salespeople in the world. I might be a little biased, but th that's what the rebellion is. The rebellion is, is a service and it's a community. It's bigger than just Dale Dupree. So don't just seek me out, listeners. Yeah. Seek out the, 
community because I'll tell you right now, you build endless amounts of quality relationships with with every single person that claims rebellion inside of their sales walk. Mate, I think one thing for all of our listeners, the thing that I've heard, and I think hopefully you've all heard, is the fact that Dale has a very strong intrinsic motivator. And that's that calling is what's driving him to do what he does every single day to be the best he can be. And so I just want to say, Dale, thanks very much for the content, for the for the the message that you've been spreading for the sales community, because I've personally benefited from it. And I just want to say thanks for coming on the Sales IQ podcast. Cheers, bro. This show has been recorded remotely, produced by Sales IQ Global, audio editing and music production by Stefan Maliati. Graphic design by Julie Marshall. Don't forget to leave a rating and review on your podcast player. And if you want to find more about the programs we offer at Sales IQ, head to www.salesiqglobal.com.